start to finish of this season, I think it's been pretty apparent that my passion lies between those ropes, and hopefully I'll get a great result from it. Michael McGillicuddy. This is just the beginning, and it's just going to get better from here. That's what I've been working for. I got confidence that I'm going to go on and win this. Alex Riley. This is about being a star, so get ready, because as soon as I win this thing, it's going to be a race to the WWE Championship. One can become WWE's next breakout star. Who will it be? The answer's right here on NXT. The future is now. To another episode of Half K NXT, your boy Larry the Axe. <laughs> Whoa, starting off with me, man. I'm a G, never alone, holding the chrome everywhere is the crib because I'm like a walking mobile home. You're supposed to say Nando O'Neill. <laughs> my man, Nando O'Neill. I thought we were switching today. <laughs> and my man, Nando O'Neill. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, not to throw everyone off, I am actually Nando O'Neill. I'm sorry. Ooh, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was me all along. <laughs> if you stuck around this long, now you hear the, you're finally hearing the plot twist for the first time. <laughs> there it is, everyone. Surprise. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> That's probably the most infamous heel turn. I think probably the most infamous heel turn of, of all time. Other than... Other than Tatanka and uh, <laughs> and Lex Luger, but <laughs> uh, it had you'd have to go WWE for sure. McMahon ever, I think in wrestling history, probably Hulk Hogan and end of. Oh yeah, okay, that that's fair. That is like the ultimate. Like wow, I can't believe he did it. Yeah, it's it's funny because when you kind of look back at it, you should have kind of expected it, but even then, you still didn't really expect it. You know, it's like, wow. <laughs> I think next in there is probably Brett the Hitman Hart for me. Mm. Just on a personal note, that really broke my heart. <laughs> and it was like Canadian guys against America. I was like, come on, Brett, what's going on, bro? You and Davey and all of them? Yeah. Anvil is from America. <laughs> come on, man. To, to me, the one that always stuck with me was, yeah. Tatanka and uh, Lex Luger, just because they build it up so well that you thought Lex Luger was going to be the one, and then it ended up being uh, Tatanka. You know, t- shout out to Tatanka. That's it. <laughs> yeah, he he actually had a. I forgot about his ru- his comeback run on SmackDown in in two thousand six ish era. Wow, was it really that long ago? I think so. Why do I remember it like twenty thirteen? Yeah. I mean he, I'm pretty sure he showed up on those raw reunion shows, but when he actually had a, a legit run, his comeback run, I think it was mid uh two thousands on, on SmackDown. What was his name of his finisher? The uh Was oh. it just a Samoan drop? It was just a Samoan drop. I know but, it was just a Samoan drop, but, but was it called something? I want to say something like tomahawk something, but I can't. I can't really think of it. I feel like uh, Tatanka popularized the Samoan job for me. Mm-hmm. It all, it was always so cool on on the SNES games, just because it was so quick. <laughs> all you had to do was whip him to the rope and hit R. It was rap. Yeah, Boom! <laughs> Tatanka had the illest finish. <laughs> awesome. Well, I know this probably just sounds like a normal episode <laughs> the way we're laggy gagging, <laughs> but. Uh, this is actually the uh, season finale for season two. So, bro, I can't even believe that we're already here. It, it seems like a sneeze, and now we're here. Yeah. It felt like we just did the season finale for season one, and now we're already wrapping up season two already. So I'm I'm pretty impressed with how quickly it went by, you know? No, nah, for sure. I agree. So, yeah, let's get this started since we are going to be recapping the final episode. Then we're going to do a quick recap of the overall season, and then we'll just kind of do a mini preview of season three. 
This is episode 28, and it was on August 31st, 2010 at the Times Union Center in Albany, New York. And yeah, so we kick off the episode with the overall season recap, where kind of the same thing as season one, where they literally recapped everything in two minutes, which I'm always blown away by on WWE's production, you know? They're really good at that, you know, just... uh Especially for us having seen it, it's mm-hmm. like, wow, that's almost how I remember it in my mind. Yeah, <laughs> because they, they literally recap everything where it's the overall recap of the rookies, all the challenges that happened throughout the season, the eliminations. And then at the end, they even highlighted the la- the remaining three rookies. So it just you can't even ask for anything else in a video package, especially how they were able to how they were able to cram everything in in, in two minutes. Job well done, and that will be definitely reflected on my production score mm-hmm. later on. <laughs> cool. So the only thing I got kind of paranoid is that then they showed the, the standard NXT 2 intro, but then they cut out the roster graphics. Yeah. So I was kind of worried of like, oh, someone got cut because <laughs> that's kind of what happened to Carlito last season. That where, was your indication. Yeah, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Red flag here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But thankfully, I, it's safe to say it, during that time, none of, the, none of the pros or rookies had been uh, officially released by the company. So I think they were just doing it to, to save time this time. Yeah, it was getting straight to the business. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing I do appreciate towards the end of the episode that they did really not waste any time and kind of revealed the winner. But we'll get to that later on. Yeah, we start off where... Ashley actually comes back, Ashley uh, Valence, and I don't know if it was more of if she forgot her spot or if if uh, she was told to wait until the music hit. But then the the commentators kind of threw it to her in the ring, and then she didn't say anything. She was mm-hmm. just kind of standing there. And then finally, when the uh, the bumper theme played, then Ashley started calling out all the uh, the pros coming down to the stage. I know it's in great. I mean, to be fair, they've been playing it for the last two seasons, so it's it's got to stay in my head. <laughs> but I, I'm curious to see if well. Kind of a spoiler, but yeah, season three has a new theme song, but I don't know if they're oh, gonna keep man. I don't know if they're gonna keep the bumper theme the same or not. So I I'd be I'd be dying if they actually did keep it. <laughs> I need to give a shout I need to look it up and then give a shout out to that band on exactly. uh, the <laughs> hear it in the background at some point. <laughs> so yeah, Ashley uh, announces all the rookies to the stage and as they're uh coming down to the ring, actually Josh and Cole do a, a really good recap of all the pros that come out first because those are the pros that have the eliminated rookies. So they kind of do a, a really good job of recapping their history of their uh, eliminated rookie at that point. Mm-hmm. So after that, then we get the three remaining pros and the Miz actually comes out and introduces Alex Riley himself. Also, uh, I don't know if you kind of caught his his minor slip up with uh, with Kofi's announcement where he said, "Now introducing the master of the McGillicuddy." Mm. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, you. You can kind of see it in his face too that he was like, "Oh crap!" I, mm, uh, that one got past me. Yeah, yeah, but uh, it's okay. It's okay, Kofi. No one, no one heard it. <laughs> Striker does introduce the five eliminated rookies who are sitting in the front row. Did you notice that he called them the? Uh... The remaining rookies that were eliminated. Yeah. It makes sense. That doesn't make sense. It, it's funny because then now I'm I'm gonna guess that in in next week or yeah, the next episode, he's gonna call them the graduating class again, which mm-hmm. I still don't I get it, but I still just don't like that term, you know? <laughs> they just need all they need to do is say that if you're chosen for NXT you get to the main roster. That's what, or you get over there. Yeah. But the winner gets a title shot. Yeah, I think that's the misleading part about how they sell the show is because they advertise as one guy is going to be the breakout star. Mm-hmm. But they don't really tell you that they're all technically going to go to the main roster. They're all going to Raw or SmackDown. Yeah. <laughs> it just so happens that one of them is going to get a title shot. Yeah. And maybe all of them are going to become a team. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> So 
I, I had here that I really like how Eli and Husky look very gentlemanly like in their uh, in their nice outfits. Yes, very handsome, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> especially uh, what's his face, Eli. He just looked, yeah, very very handsome man That's at that weird. point. Weird. <laughs> so at that point, then Stryker reminds the audience of the prize which we had just mentioned, and then he does his last GM match for the season <laughs> and makes a uh, triple threat match against the three remaining rookies. But at this point, then the rookies actually start arguing with the pros in the ring, and then out of nowhere, Kaval just kind of shoves the Miz on you know on his ass basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it kind of caught me off guard, and I think. It might have caught off the announcers too because they seem generally uh, shocked that he actually like shoved the Miz down. Let me just say right now that this episode has some very interesting encounters with people physically, mm-hmm. and we'll touch on some more of that later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the the thing I did like is Cole kind of capitalized on that, you know, shove and the the tensions being high tonight, just because you know there's so much pressure going on for the rookies. So that was really good storytelling. I, mm-hmm. I thought on uh, Cole's part. And yeah, at that point, they kind of throw to Josh and Cole and then Josh kind of makes the bombshell announcement that they will be doing season three and that season three will actually be a little bit different than the previous two seasons where it's going to be a all diva rookie roster. And they kind of throw they kick it away to the first pro and it's Kelly Kelly. I totally forgot that she was a pro on I knew I knew some of the other ones, but I totally forgot that Kelly Kelly was a part of this uh, this season. You know, I forget about Kelly Kelly all the time. <laughs> no offense to her and her accolades, but that's just you know she just doesn't really stand out in my mind as somebody who's there. Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy. I think she's still not even thirty because I think she was only eighteen or nineteen years old at this mm. point. So it's it's kind of crazy how how young she started with the company and and yeah, when she came back for the the raw reunion recently she was i think they had told said that she was either only 28 or 29 or something like that damn that's gross yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah speaking of another person who's been there and her rookie at that time which is pretty crazy is actually naomi yeah naomi uh, knight baby still rocking oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) late night cousin man exactly (laughs) i totally forgot about that moniker too i did too i was like what okay there we go it's cousin (laughs) what's up wwe universe it's me kelly kelly and i can't wait to be a wwe pro on season three of nxt and my rookie is a girl after my own heart she's fun sassy athletic and loves pink high tops check out my rookie naomi my name is Naomi Knight, and I'm from Orlando, Florida. My style in the ring is very unique from the other divas because I'm athletic. My message to the other divas is to bring your A game and be prepared because Naomi Knight is here to win. I, I forgot that in general that she's been with the company for so long now. Yeah, she's been there for like a hot minute. Her and Alicia Fox have been tenured for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And Natty as well, I think, at oh, this yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we go to commercial break, and from there we get our only match of the night, which is it's the triple threat that Striker just announced. So they uh, they do a really nice spot at the beginning of this match where Kaval and McGillicuddy are kind of uh, in like a headlock position, but then Riley runs up at him and they both do uh, a back body drop on him. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool spot to kind of kick off the match and. They started off really hot where even the cameraman kind of gets confused because they're going so quick where I think McGillicuddy and Kaval were running spots against the ropes mm-hmm. and then the cameraman uh, cut to a different shot and then rapidly was trying to pan and barely caught that uh, that interaction that they had. So mm-hmm. they, they were really moving pretty quick. After that, though, they, they do kind of slow the, the match down a little bit where all three men are kind of in the center of the ring just kicking each other and just doing kind of more brawling style. Then from there, uh, Josh and Cole kind of start arguing about Kaval being the internet darling, but Cole kind of brings up some of the, the points that he did last week where, you know, he simply just believes that Riley should win, but, you know, he tells the audience that, you know, they can vote for wh- whoever they want on WWE.com. So I thought that was pretty cool of him that even though he has his own personal, uh, his, his own personal picks that he's not like really showing favor 
favoritism and making the whole audience vote for his uh, candidate. You know, I thought um, I thought commentary was really on point mm-hmm. today too. Yeah. This episode. So yeah, that would reflect in my score later. Nice. So yeah, McGillicuddy throws Caval out to the outside, and Riley takes advantage by knocking McGillicuddy off the apron to kind of get control of the match going into commercial break. When we come back, then it still felt very, uh, very punchy kicking. And I was going to ask you, like, because I've heard in some instances that people, it kind of takes them a while to kind of get used to working a triple threat match. Do you think that's kind of what was going on here? Because it did seem like they were uh, trying to figure stuff out Mm -hmm. and they were mostly, yeah, just kind of brawling in the center of the ring and not really pacing themselves. Because I know a triple threat match, usually works better towards the end of the match where they can kind of tell that story where one person's fatigued, so they're going to be outside of the mm-hmm. ring. But in the beginning of the match, it's harder to tell that story because all three should be. Yeah, unless you do it where, like, one guy powders out and plays the heel thing and does that, mm-hmm. or you always have somebody getting tossed out. But, yeah, this one seemed kind of disjointed because they relied a lot, they relied a lot upon, you know, just giving each other heat mm-hmm. with strikes and stuff. And that was mainly probably just to fill in some dead air while they were just trying to, like, figure things out on the fly. Because, man, like, I think about it, who would essentially, like, if that was an indie match, who would lead that match? Mm -hmm. Because you got what your two senior guys are both faces. Mm. So I guess maybe McGillicuddy would lead the match because he's the most senior heel, quote unquote, the most senior heelish person in that match. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, because I I noticed it where normally in singles matches, yeah, at least they can kind of uh, play off the crowd. But here in a triple threat, it is kind of that dynamic where you have to kind of worry about two opponents. So even if you have one down, you especially this early on in the match, you kind of already have to mm-hmm. attack the other one. And it didn't seem like they they knew what spots to run at that point. Yeah, like at that point, um, I guess, you know, what you would really want to do is you have your person who's, I guess, I don't really know all the psychology behind triple threat match, but mm-hmm. this is how I would run one in my mind. Yeah. Is that you would have the one person who leads the match, lead it to where he's in the ring at least two thirds of the time. Yeah. And that one third that he's not in the ring where he powders out, the two people in the ring will run like two spots that they know for sure oh, okay and then when the the person who leads the match comes back in then you know then that could that by the time he comes back in you should damn near be ready for your finish mm-hmm. so i mean i would i would think that's maybe how they run it but i'm not sure like now that i think about it, i probably need to go back and watch the match again and really mm-hmm. kind of like mm, i wonder who's leading this yeah exactly yeah because just kind of seeing it from the beginning it it just seemed it took him a while to kind of find that chemistry but at that point, when we do come back from commercial break, Riley is, of, of course, in full control. At that point, then Cole, of course, starts uh, <laughs> he starts praising The Miz. And it was pretty funny because then The Miz was actually walking by the announcer's table at that same time. And then The Miz started doing high fives to uh, to Michael Cole. And then he even gave Josh a high five, even though he was like reluctant, reluctant to uh, to give him the high five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he still gave it to him. So I, I thought it was just funny interaction between uh the Miz and the commentary team. McGillicuddy does start hitting some really nice clotheslines on Riley and does a uh belly to Bailey at that point. Nice. <laughs> so Caval then uh takes advantage and starts hitting his trademark spin kick from the middle rope on McGillicuddy and looked really, really nice. Very similar to the the same camera angle when he had initially done it to uh Husky Harris mm-hmm. and uh Eli. So yeah, always look really good. And then from there, the uh, which I will say is probably my favorite move of the night. Riley and Caval were on the top rope, and then Riley was uh, fighting off Caval. And once he kind of knocked him down, and Caval kind of used the the momentum to do a cartwheel jumping spin kick and hit Riley right in the face when he was still on the top rope. Mm-hmm. And then Riley fell on the apron, but then kind of slipped right off into uh, all the way to the outside. But the way the camera angle was, it just made it seem like he had just kept falling forever. <laughs> Similar to like the, the pit in Mortal Kombat or something no. like that. Yeah. 
I, I just remember a similar spot back in the Attitude Era where I think X-Pac was the same thing where there was that one camera angle when I think it was either Kane or some big guy who had thrown him out from the Royal Rumble. Oh, yeah, it was the, the 2000 Royal Rumble where someone had thrown him out and it just looked like he just fell out the ring and never like landed. <laughs> so it, it just reminded me of that spot. And I, I like those spots where it just looks like they fall off the apron and, and, and you don't see them. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, like, oh man, where'd he go? Yeah. It's like when you throw people out the ring and like Royal Rumble in a video game. Yeah. And, like they don't have the camera follow and you're just like, oh man, what happened to him? Yeah. <laughs> so in the closing sequence of the match, then McGillicuddy does hit the perfect plex on Caval. Yeah. But, uh, Riley ends up breaking breaking up from the outside. Then McGillicuddy actually kicks him, <laughs> kicks Riley into the commentary table. And I thought it was a really good sell by both guys where uh, Riley really just kind of shoved himself onto the announcer's table and started holding his uh, abdomen area. So McGillicuddy actually attempts to go for the McGillicutter, but Caval reverses it with a front uh, cartwheel kick, which I thought looked really good because he, I don't know how he does it. Like, how do you even calculate it at that angle where you kind of just go for it and then... Oh, the uh, he hit him with the um, the rolling, like, capo, capo kick or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that yeah. That one that Jushin Thunder Liger does. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, you just throw it. Yeah. You just throw it and then, uh, I guess, depending on how, you know, accurate you want it to be, you just have to leave with your heel. Mm. Like, you just throw it and wherever your head's going to go, your body, your body's going to follow. And then from there, you just like kind of like lock your heel out and just go for it. Yeah. Or he just did a flip and just like kind of uh, held one leg out and hit him over the head. Mm, okay. Bro, oh, yeah, that's a classic move. Who's doing that now? Chad Gable? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it looked really good. I, I know he has, has been doing that move throughout the season, but the way he just did it really quickly on him, it just... It looked mm-hmm. really, really good. You got to be a G to do that. <laughs> After that, then Caval uh, tries to go for the Warriors way. But then Riley comes out of nowhere and knocks him off the top rope. And then, yeah, he just kind of sneaks in and gets the cover while McGillicuddy is still recovering from the kick and gets the victory at 724. So Riley just uh, pretty much steals the victory at this mm-hmm. point. And, yeah, Josh and Cole kind of do a good job of uh, kind of proving a kind of like a mini debate at that point because in Cole's eyes he sees it as a positive because he picked up the last win of the season but then in Josh's mind he kind of brought up the point well all the pros saw how he won the match so they know that he Mm -hmm. kind of stole it so it kind of it kind of did perfect uh 50 50 at that point where people have to kind of see which side they're gonna pledge their allegiance to you know yeah for sure i'm definitely on josh's side with that because i'm like ah man you picked it up like sucker Mm -hmm. and kind of the match itself suffered from that Mm -hmm. yeah i i kind of had it where i saw it as uh i if i was just going to give it an individual match score i was going to give it a three just because i think they worked well together but it wasn't anything anything that you would expect especially for like the season finale Mm -hmm. match so then we go to uh, the next backstage promo, which is the one that you uh, kind of just brought up with Alicia Fox. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Alicia Fox, I, I believe at that point, had been in the company for about two to three years because I think she had been doing this storyline with Edge and Vicky Guerrero back in 2007, I'm going to mm-hmm. guess. And this was in 2010. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think she had been two to three years. But Overall, I think she's been in the company longer than that because I think she was either in FCW or uh, OVW. OVW at that point. I think she was with the company like 2006. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, she's she's already there a while during that era. And now if you add 10 more years veteran, to it, yeah, it's super veteran. So, yeah, her uh, her rookie is Maxine. I had here that she kind of reminds me of an early version of Carmella. I don't, I don't know if mm, if you kind of got that. Catch, I got, I don't know. I was just lost. I was like, who are you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I know she she was also similar where she had been working in OVW and a lot in mm. uh, in FCW. I know she was a big deal in FCW, okay. and this was yeah pretty much her call up to the to the main roster. Mm. But I don't think she actually moved up to the the main roster after that i think she did kind of just stay in nxt and i, I obviously we're going to get into it more mm-hmm. in season three and moving forward but i don't remember her ever being called up to the main mm-hmm. roster so that's okay. probably why it it's uh it's hard to remember who she was at this I point got you. yeah 
after that, then the uh, the pros kind of do their gather up for the final vote of the season. Then we go to commercial break and we come back. Then we get the. Dustin. <laughs> Dustin. <laughs> I know. Is that his official name in, 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 a, in AEW? Dustin Dust. Dustin. I think they just call him Dustin Rhodes. I don't even think it's Rhodes. I think it's just Dustin. I think he can do Dustin Rhodes. Oh, it's just Cody. I, who can, yeah, I think uh, they, they they got Cody Rhodes, but Dustin, I think, owns his. Oh, okay. He's, he, he OG'd that one, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that kind of makes sense to kind of think ahead of time, especially mm-hmm. since he knows the business. Yeah, <laughs> yeah w- without spoiling it, there's uh, there's an interesting storyline between Goldust and his rookie, Oksana. I, I always keep thinking Asuka now, but I have to make sure I say Oksana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and, and with this, I believe now this is where Cody and Goldust are the first brothers to be pros on NXT. <laughs> Yes. Or tying. Or no, wait. Would they tie? Because then later... Uh, well, okay. We'll get to it in a second. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, about, yeah, right? yeah. We'll get to it in a second. <laughs> the third segment of the night, which is the third place announcement. So Striker had mentioned at the beginning of the show where there was going to be, of course, a double elimination tonight since we can only have one winner. So we are actually going to have the first eliminated rookie, which is in third place. Before that, then Stryker kind of asked the five eliminated rookies who are ringside who who should win NXT season two. We go to Titus, and it's kind of funny. Titus had kind of gave him all a nickname where he had said, "Well, between the ninja, mm-hmm. the Will Ferrell lookalike, and the guy who just wants to relive his high school football days, he's gonna have to pick the guy who's trying to relive his high school football days." So that's a vote for Caval? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, yeah, he goes for Alex Riley. Then this one is my favorite one, and I'll, I'll play the clip where Eli ends up picking Alex Riley as well. But I died laughing just based on how he said it, where he just kind of said, like, oh, you know, he's, uh, he's very likable. <laughs> yeah, so, he's very likable. <laughs> Let's see. We've got, uh, we've got the ninja. We've got Will Ferrell's lookalike. And we have a guy trying to relive his high school football days. I would probably have to say the guy trying to relive his high school football days. All right, that would be Alex Riley. Titus. Eli Cottonwood, who should win NXT and why? I think Alex Riley should win this year's competition. Yeah! Not only does he have everything, he's also the most likable. I don't know where Lucky Cannon decides to do some heel work here. Hey, Darren Young did, bro. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, Darren Young did that unexpected heel turn. That while eliminated, man. Yeah. Because he just said that, oh, I don't care because the moment that you eliminated me, you pretty much flushed this show down the toilet. So, I mean, it was okay, but you can just tell that it wasn't his. It wasn't him. Yeah, it wasn't him. Yeah. It was forced, man. Yeah. It's like trying to get Andre 3000 through gangster rap songs. It's not it's, happening. Because <laughs> even Cole mentioned it. He was like, oh, well, now he's a bad guy. <laughs> or something, or something he like gets that. the Darren Young Award this season. <laughs> Start this one up. Moving forward. Everybody's going everybody's gonna to do it once. Watch. Oh, yeah. We're going to find it every season. Somebody's going to do an unexpected heel turn to Amber. What the? Yeah. Someone should counter that and just be a heel and then go face at the end. Man. <laughs> Percy Watson ends up picking Michael McGillicuddy and Husky Harris also picks McGillicuddy at the end saying that similar to himself and his pro Cody Rhodes, Michael McGillicuddy is just born better. He comes from legacy. Mm -hmm. Not. Oh, wait. A legacy. A legacy. (laughs) But not the legacy. Not the legacy. I mean, could have, should have probably if they got that far, but it's not a story. Yeah. Stryker also mentions that no one actually picked Caval, so it'll be interesting to see what the results are. And yeah, we kind of just throw it to the graphic. And in third place, it's Alex Riley. Man. I kind of laugh because I like that that mugshot that they have of him with the you've been eliminated. (laughs) It just looked like he was kind of surprised in the graphic in the graphic himself. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the 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 fans of course cheer at this point because he's pretty much the main heel between the remaining three. 
And the Miz actually does a really good job of selling his disappointment where he's like super pissed off and the other uh the other pros on the stage are are reacting and making fun of him pretty mm-hmm. much during the whole time. But I thought it was it was really well done, the the whole announcement and then their reactions uh collectively at that I point. I agree. Yeah. And Alex Riley, you know, gets on the mic afterwards. And I think this was probably I know I think I've said this before, but I think this is probably his best promo of the season because he just seemed really natural when he was talking. He was kind of he was kind of half king it where he was in character. But he you can tell he was kind of just saying stuff from the top of his head, you know. Now, look, my father was not a sports entertainer and I didn't spend my youth wrestling in bars trying to get an an internet following of some kind i actually went to college and 13 weeks ago before this contest even started nobody in the sports entertainment business even knew who alex riley was but yet i still stand here in the ring with these two almost the wwe's next breakout star and the reason that is is because I believe and you believe that I am simply the most talented kid in this contest. Now, if I was a betting man, which I am, and I know all of you are, I would still, without a doubt, bet the future of the WWE on Alex Riley! I... I almost wish that he sounded a little bit more disappointed, but I was glad that he didn't because it sounded, you know, about as natural as how you were describing it. So mm-hmm. I can't take any. I gave. I actually scored that one for. Yeah, yeah, because he kind of brought up where you know he didn't come from a family heritage mm-hmm. or work the indies for X amount of years, so he was still being a heel. But the way he's kind of said it felt a little bit more baby faces Mm -hmm. and even the crowd did kind of react to him towards the end of his promo so i think he kind of won him over at at that point if anything the crowd identifies with him the most Mm -hmm. which is weird right yeah odd twist of fate yeah oh my god did he did he do it did he go face did he go heel and then turn face (laughs) he he ended up being the everyman oh man that's that's kind of crazy (laughs) hey man you don't call yourself a kid when you're a heel Mm. That's true. He said he's the most talented kid. Yeah. You're a heel, you're a man. Yeah. Never a kid. Yeah. Ooh. So it did happen. (laughs) Double turn. (laughs) Double turn tonight. (laughs) Nice. After that, then, we go to the next backstage promo, and it is actually the Bella Twins. This is still when they kind of look like each other. (laughs) I was looking at them real hard, too, like, "Mm, okay. I can see where you started to make the changes. Yeah. <laughs> this is, I, I believe, around the same time. I think, yeah, the 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 Bella Twins and Alicia Fox kind of made their debuts around the same time in 2007. I remember that the Bella Twins did kind of take a hi- hiatus at one point during that point mm. because they debuted in 06, 07, and they took about a year off or so. And I remember they came back because that's when Dan they came back around this time because that's when Daniel Bryan was on the main roster. And that's when Brie Bella and Daniel Bryan started uh, when they actually first met at that point. Oh, wow. Nice. Because mm-hmm. they had done a uh, a love story between Brie Bella and Daniel Bryan. And this was when Daniel Bryan was actually, you know, kayfabe dating. AJ Lee? Uh, no, uh, Gail, Gail Kim. What? Daniel Bryan, all the girls. Yeah, yeah, because he was dating D- Gail Kim, and this is when yeah Brie Bella was trying to get with him in you know storyline wise. Mm. But I think that's what kind of led to their real life uh, relationship at that's that time. That's so funny. Yeah, so yeah, I I totally forgot about this whole angle until the they showed up as mm. as pros for this season. But not to kind of take the spotlight away from our girl because obviously she has not had the spotlight on her for more more than half the season. <laughs> not even getting a name card for about eight eight episodes in. <laughs> you know, man, they were just trying to figure out what to do her. I'm kind of so I kind of had this in my scoring, but I guess I'll just talk about it now. Where if it, it felt weird, where the Bella Twins, their rookie is actually Jamie Keys, the ring announcer for season two. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of weird because I thought they were going to start promoting her ever since they actually finally started to acknowledge her eight episodes in mm-hmm. that. I thought she was going to make more of a statement saying like in this episode of, Oh yeah, 
well, I don't, you know, maybe she can stand up to lay cool or something like that and saying like, oh, well, I'll, I'll prove it to you next season and say that, you know, she's actually going to be in the ring now compared to being. Nah, a- that's too much trying to put her over. Mm. I like it though. Yeah. It's just a little too much. Cause then you, you, you would have to put her in, you automatically kind of like set her up to be kind of the favorite mm-hmm. in the next season. And that, that kind of uh, tips the scales a little bit. Yeah. From the jump. Cause then it's like, she already a familiar face. I guess it was just good for them to just, almost abolish her for a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then kind of the way they brought her back in the video is like, oh, wow, you were the ring announcer, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, and I was like, hey, it's you. You were the ring. I was hoping it was going to be, what was it, Savannah? I know. That's <laughs> that's what I had right after that. I, I said, oh, that sucks because I really kind of wish that Savannah had the same chance to. For real. Yeah. That's, uh, that's definitely our girl, Savannah. Shout out to Savannah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And after that, then we go to commercial break and we get the next one where it is Primo and going back to the conversation that we had. So Primo is Carlito's brother. I believe they are. Yeah. Yeah. And Epico is the cousin. Yeah. But but Primo Primo means cousin. Yeah. There (laughs) we go. That's why I got really confused. Uh, And when I was saying that, yeah, Goldust and Cody are the first brother pairing, but they're actually tied with. So, you know what? I'm just going to give it to. Um. Cody and Dust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Carlito didn't even make it mm-hmm. through the whole oh, season. Okay, okay. You're right. You're right. He didn't right. Even make it through the whole season. And then we don't even know the real relation between the three things. <laughs> you should have just called him Hermano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Maybe it was too hard. It is kind of it is kind of harder to say. True, they was like, man, how do you say brother in Spanish? Hermano. Uh, the, my cousin, Primo. That's it. <laughs> Nailed it. God. <laughs> and then they signed Epico. He's like, so this is your real cousin? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the continuity is all awesome. Man, screwed this one up. Let's call him Epic. Epic. Epico. Oh, yeah. Why do you say Epic Boy? <laughs> I think Epico was also wearing a mask when he initially was in FCW, too. I, I remember looking at the the website back in the day and I yeah I think he had sported a mask and once he moved up to the main rosters where he just looked, he showed his family face yeah yeah <laughs> so not to to kind of go back to it yeah uh primo is the next pro and his rookie is Mrs. Punk Damn. AJ, AJ Lee <laughs> Mrs. Phil Brooks herself <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh. Representing for the nerds. Yeah. Holding down AJ Lee, <laughs> April June Mendez. Oh, oh, man. You really, we we somehow broke down her whole life <laughs> in, in, in 30 seconds. Yeah, you didn't know I knew all that government. <laughs> man, you know, I was a real big CM Punk and uh, AJ Lee fan. Mm-hmm. And then it just so happened they ended up dating each other and it like made me mad because I didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. I was like, y'all don't even look good together. Mm-hmm. I like them separate. And, you know, I don't really, fo- I mean, I think I follow AJ Lee on Instagram or whatever, but they're both pretty kind of separated where they don't post any uh, pair, pair photos of each other, mm-hmm. you know? So it's it's like a visual that you know is there, but you just don't see it. <laughs> I think it's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> it's all a facade. Nobody's at that wedding. Yeah. <laughs> Never happened. But yep. She's in it. She's in it, and she might win it. <laughs> of course, baby. Cool. So from there, we go to the final talk to talk promo, where oh, man. it's the uh, the remaining two rookies who Striker wants to kind of just get their overall feedback going into the final vote. And this is pretty much the promo that I've been waiting for the whole season, where to me it's the best promo where Michael McGillicuddy kind of. I, I'm just gonna have to play the whole clip or most of the whole clip. First of all, I'd like to ask Cool something. Did you seriously submit your adopted ninja baby into the NXT competition? I mean, I don't know whether to spank you or breastfeed you. When you come out here, you wear a wetsuit to the ring. Were you going swimming? This isn't a swimming pool. No matter how much you want it to be. And it, if I'm not mistaken, it's taken you 13 years years to get here right yeah so what makes you think you're gonna do any better now that you are here or after you get eliminated you won't be here any longer 
Kaval. That is your name, right? Kaval. What does that mean? Kaval. It means flute, I think, right? Look it up. It means flute. Good name. I'm glad his parents. I hope his parents are happy. Kaval. Let me tell you something. No matter how much you like it, I can represent the Thank company God. a whole lot better. And Alex Riley got eliminated. He, he's he's clowning on him, but at the same time, he's actually you know telling the truth at the same time. So he, he's he's not only kind of uh, burying him, but he's also stating a fact. Yep, <laughs> facts don't lie, baby. Yeah. At that point, then uh, <laughs> he kind of you know delivers this promo, and at the end, when they kind of cut him off, even Cole was like, "Oh my gosh, thank God that's over." And and you know, Alex Riley got eliminated tonight, saying you know. <laughs> We got rid of him versus, uh, you know, keeping Michael McGillicuddy around. So I thought that was pretty funny. And yeah, Caval actually comes back and, and does a really good promo afterwards where he kind of just talks about being a small kid from uh, New York, comparing himself to uh, McGillicuddy and his opportunities. You know, and it just so happened that they were in New York yeah, that yeah, night, yeah. too. Yeah. It was like kind of stacked there. Yeah. But even after this promo, Cole, you know, Cole, like we said, that he's kind of more on uh, the Miz and Alex Riley side throughout the whole season. But I'm actually surprised of how much he he gave props to Caval during this whole season. Because mm-hmm. after that promo, he said, look, you know what? That was really good. <laughs> so I did. Yeah, I wrote that down in my notes. I was like, wow, you know, I was really good from Caval. Yeah. Michael Cole thought so, too. Yeah. <laughs> we go to uh, commercial break and we get the last pro and I think I'm going to just let you take it from here. <laughs> Ooh, baby. All right. So what we at? Where we at? Hold on. Because, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to take your your spotlight with this, uh, with this man, one. So, of course, with this. Oh, man. This one here is the greatest pro of all. <laughs> of course, of this season, my girl, Vicky Guerrero herself. And then she was introducing a... Uh, <laughs> Someone that I just, you know, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't see none of this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just know who won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, I just wasn't ready to see what I saw. And yeah. And she brought, what was her name? Al- Aloisa. 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 And uh-huh. she's a six foot nine, <laughs> just blonde chick. And then you know what's even better about her? She from Walnut Creek. Is she? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I looked her up immediately. It was like, who the hell is that? Yeah. Straight out of Walnut Creek, baby. Yeah. It was the kinda, Bay Zone. It was, was kind of cool because when they were showing the other uh, the other video packages, I think it was Jamie Keys where because in all the video packages they show the whole the whole uh, the whole roster, mm. but they did a really quick shot because they didn't want to ruin the surprise of this. Yeah, uh, like you never seen this behemoth <laughs> that they was just. I was not ready. I was like, who is this stepping over the top rope? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I like uh, Cole, Cole's reaction to Josh because he was saying that you, you uh, it's unfortunately that we don't have a camera on Josh because his jaw just hit the floor with during that announcement. And Josh, it kind of seemed like he was genuinely shocked that he didn't know because he did kind of just said like, oh, my gosh, like she's six foot nine <laughs> and that uh, her main influence is actually Vince McMahon himself. So, yeah, it was uh, it was it was a surprise. And so. It's also kind of a twist that I won't ruin yet, and I'll talk about it when we get to season three. But yeah, we'll we'll kind of recap her her history pretty much at that point. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what you talk about too. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, at, at that point, then we get to the uh, the last segment, which is the winner of NXT season two, and kind of had how I mentioned at the beginning of the show where they really just went straight to the point with this. Yeah, no beating around the bush, man. They just. <laughs> But I was I was kind of surprised because when I looked at the time, there was still a good 15 minutes left in this episode. And they straight up just kind of said the winner. And in my mind, I was like, what the hell are they going to fail these next 15 minutes with? So we'll kind of break it down. Striker just kind of throws it to the screen and they kind of show the graphic. And our boy, Caval, is the winner of NXT Season 2. Watch out for those indie guys, man. Yeah. Well... Would you call Barrett an indie guy, though? Well, you know, Daniel Bryan was just like oh, the favorite okay. kind of the whole time. But Caval, Caval was the one who ran away with it when you knew everybody kind of wanted Daniel Bryan to win that mm-hmm. first season. But Caval was the one that kind of like took it over. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I think once Riley went out of the way, you kind of knew mm-hmm. 
it wasn't gonna go to uh, McGillicuddy. Yeah. Like even though his last promo was like pretty good, mm-hmm. it wasn't as like it wasn't as cohesive as some of his other ones. Yeah, yeah. And then that last one from Caval was like really good. He just pandered it perfectly. Mm-hmm. All that pandering he had been doing the whole season. And then he finally got the culmination right there in New York. And it was like almost just written for him. Yeah, yeah. No, you perfectly summed it up where I I totally forgot that this episode was also in New York at the same time. So it, it felt like the the perfect storm, not storm, but perfect uh, situation where everything aligned at, at that point for him. So, yeah, the the of course, the the reaction is huge. The The crowd go crazy as soon as they they hear the announcement. And even Cole is actually excited and actually proud of him that mm-hmm. he uh, he had worked his way throughout the whole season to to win the, the whole competition. So in uh, in a different format, actually, Stryker wants to get. McGillicuddy's uh, genuine reaction first before talking to Caval. So then McGillicuddy cuts the second best promo of the season here. Ever since I started NXT, I had one goal. And that is to become a WWE World Heavyweight Champion. That's been put on hold. And um, unfortunately, I got eliminated today. And I lost my guaranteed shot at a title. But that is not gonna stop me from becoming a future world heavyweight champion. See, I am the future of this company. I am gonna be a big time player in this machine called WWE. I am the next big thing. I am the next generation. And starting this moment from now, from this moment on, this will be the moment starting now of the genesis of McGillicuddy. My favorite thing about this promo is that if you look at it, you just kind of see Matt Stryker in the background the whole time, and you just see how much his facial expressions just keep changing as McGillicuddy gets, you know, weirder and weirder with his promo. That I, I just had it here where, yeah, I just laughed because I'm just genuinely paying attention to what McGillicuddy's saying, but looking at Stryker the whole time. That I he's need talking. to go back because I was looking at McGillicuddy the whole time because I was just captivated in what was being said. Yeah. I was like, what are you? talk (laughs) no one knows what he's talking about but it was so captivating especially with the whole genesis the genesis (laughs) of mcgillicuddy (laughs) is the greatest thing i ever heard (laughs) so going back to everything that we had said that we were kind of mixed with him because sometimes he would cut babyface promos and sometimes he would cut heel promos but i'm pretty sure he went full heel finally at this point with with this promo (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that we were able to cover this whole season and really truly appreciate this promo for for its whole uh, for its whole thing. Just just because we actually got to see the whole beginning and genesis of uh, of McGillicuddy. Oh, like things should bang together, man. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so yeah, at that point, then yeah, he kind of just wraps up his promo and just walks away. And is greeted by uh, Kofi Kingston on the uh, the ramp area. So yeah, Caval starts celebrating with Lakeul. Caval kind of starts his promo a little bit, saying, you know, he's just surprised and you know can't believe that he won. But before he's able to kind of kick it into full gear with his victory speech, then out of nowhere, <laughs> the, the five remain the five uh, eliminated rookies just kind of jump him in the ring. <laughs> Love it. They beat him up. And then what they's beating him up for a good minute. And then who came out? Uh all the all the pros that were on like the pros sitting around, so it was like MVP and then Zach Ryder, I Zach think. Zach Ryder. Yeah. <laughs> they ran down and they like got beat up a little bit. It was weird because so yeah, they, they came down and they, they stopped them at first, where all the, the rookies got kind of kicked out of the ring. But then I don't know where then McGill- Riley. Mc- yeah, Riley and McGillicuddy come back. That's right. And then then the the five rookies come back in the ring too. And then they don't beat up the pros. The pros seem oh, actually before that, when the pros came down first to kind of help Kaval out and they took out 
the five rookies. Mm-hmm. They took out four of them because they didn't take out Husky. And the pros were in the ring while they were watching Husky del- <laughs> deliver a, a Sambo slam on Caval. Oh, yeah. He was just like... <laughs> He damn near sandbagged him because he wouldn't jump and yeah. he gave it to him and then like no one helped him. Nobody helped him up. <laughs> and then that's when yeah, Riley and McGillicuddy came back. They ran back down. Some more fighting happened. Uh, did the pros just leave? I think they just left at that point. And then that's when the five eliminated rookies came back in the ring. And then that's when all seven of them just kind of beat down Caval. I could have swore I saw Alex Riley. And um, Percy Watson fighting. Oh, okay. And then, <laughs> and, and then, like they were fighting, and then they went out the ring, and then everybody else started beating on Caval, mm. and they came back not fighting. Yeah, yeah. And then like <laughs> Percy Watson's like helping fight Caval too. I was like, wait a minute, I could have swore you were just getting yeah, yeah. beat up by Alex Riley. I don't know whose side he's on. Yeah. Dude, Michael Cole called Eli Cottonwood Aloisa. <laughs> like, <laughs> pandemonium was breaking out. He's like, oh, man, Eli, he's like, oh, there goes Aloisa. I mean, Eli Cottonwood. I was sitting there crying, laughing. I saw a dude at an A's hat in an NWO shirt and thought it was me. Uh, like, <laughs> Everything just really just hit the fan at that, that point. whole scene hit the fan i was sitting there watching it and i couldn't take my eyes off of everything going on i was so lost yeah and yeah some of the finishes that so i don't know what i i forgot to look it up but this is actually my favorite move that i'm surprised no one really does lucky cannon kind of hits the my favorite move that i don't know the name of where he kind of sets him up in a tko position but then kind of oh i think it was the move that uh now that i'm now that i'm saying it out loud was the move that uh, Sean, Sean O'Hare? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sean O'Hare used to do that. Yeah, I I forget what it's called, but to me, I don't know why no one does that move. I think it's such a a good quick move to hit. It's it's a similar version to, of course, like an F five and a it's TKO. It's like the opposite direction of what um. It's almost kind of like what Velveteen is doing mm-hmm. with the what is it the. The, uh, Dream Valley Driver, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, the yeah. opposite way, and it's like a different turn. Yeah, I, it might be hard to bump for. Oh, okay. I think because like I know the way Sean O'Hare used to do it, he used to kind of like toss them a little bit, oh, to yeah, give yeah, yeah. some time to open up the bump. Yeah, but the way Lucky Cannon does it, it's almost like they're cradled too long to really mm. open up and protect. Like it's almost like a kind of like a muscle buster in that you're just there. And you kind of go with uh, what's going, or like it's like um, picture what Ryback was doing, but with a twist. Yeah. And instead yeah. of that little run. Oh so yeah. It's yeah. a pretty. It's a. I like it though. It's a dope move. Yeah. I think somebody could turn it into a finisher. It could be a cool like little person finisher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because I I just like it where it it kind of feels yeah like a F five where if you kind of are kind of stalking your opponent or waiting for them to turn around, you can just hit it really quickly and mm-hmm. and kind of get a victory and yeah, man i don't even know yeah i really don't even know what that's called yeah i'll look it up after and kind of bring it up on the next episode mm, yep so yeah at that point then riley also hits the you're dismissed take tkl mm. and that kind of ends the show as far as the in-ring work then they just play a video recap which is pretty much the same recap from the top of the show but they just kind of add the results towards the end of the video package and yeah that closes the episode for season two it was a weird one man you know what i'm gonna jump straight into the score okay yeah um commentary for me four okay nice I thought commentary was the the real gem of the episode mm-hmm. and was the saving grace and shining light for me in the episode that was kind of all over the place when i <laughs> sit back and think especially the end yeah my god yeah matches i thought that one match was decent so i thought the match itself like you said was Mm a Mm 3.0 but i scored it a Mm 2.5 because of the finish and the fact that it was like the last match that we had for the guys of this season yeah and the way that match ended was almost as disjointed as the way the season did yeah uh production i went 3.5 i thought uh production was pretty good they did some good stuff that i thought was above average and then entertainment i had a solid three that I'm actually going to bump up to um, four because that last ending segment was amazing. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm also adjusting. Yeah, sorry about that, but I'm, I'm also adjusting my score based on everything that you kind of recap because you did kind of swerve and, and change my mind a bit. <laughs> Dude, that last ending thing was great. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I'll uh, I'll dive into it once I get my notes back up here. Mm, Konami noise. Boop, boom. For me, yeah, I had a, a very similar score where I gave commentary a 3.5 just because of the same reasons where what you said where I thought they did really good and really did a great job of promoting the last episode and kind of the points with Cole that we had mentioned where he, you know, he had his favorite, but he wasn't being a heel at this point he was being very neutral with his uh his uh his overall point of view with with the mm-hmm. the remaining three rookies so I, I really like that and yeah i also had to change it to a 2.5 for the exact same reasons that you gave for the, mm-hmm. ma- the matchup <laughs> for me i actually gave production a four nice. because yeah with the the video package that i mentioned at the top of the show and also the video package promoting the season three uh rookies i thought production was on top of the game tonight and especially yeah just kind of trying to fit everything it, i think the season finale episodes are very tricky mm-hmm. especially during this era of nxt where you're trying to get over the importance of who's going to win but also start promoting the show for next week because mm-hmm. unlike other tv shows where there's a actual break between seasons <laughs> they're like literally kicking off the season next week so <laughs> ridiculous yeah so un- unlike us we are actually going to take a break <laughs> after this season <laughs> and yeah for me entertainment i gave it a 3.5 just because of <laughs> everything that we had just mentioned and now with the the last segment yeah it was truly mayhem at the at the very end of the show <sighs> pandemonium i tell you <laughs> absolute pandemonium bro <laughs> Awesome. So with that, the final score of the season is a 3.4. So, yeah, I think that kind of averaged out to everything that we kind of just mentioned. And, yeah, I, I think the same thing where overall the show was really good. But seeing that it was the last match of the season, I thought the the triple threat match would have been a little bit better or at least longer. But, you know. It was okay. <laughs> I wanted some more out of that. You know, mm-hmm. I was a little disappointed. I, I, you know, we didn't even get a McGilla cutter. We didn't. I know. So that was a little, like, I really liked this season too, but the last episode, I was actually, you know, there were some highlights in there in my score, but I just, I think honestly it should have been lower, but I, I was, I was very entertained on an episode that I felt like I shouldn't have been. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm kind of scrolling through the episodes. So we had episode 25 and 27 with the highest scores at 3.6. So I do remember those being like really good episodes Mm -hmm. from uh, when we recapped those. So that does it for the season. So I'll kind of do a quick run through of some overall facts throughout the combined seasons with season one and season two. Nice. So the grand total time duration that we have so far between... Uh, all the episodes that we reviewed is 21 hours and 35 minutes. The grand total of match duration between the, the two seasons is seven hours and three minutes. There's been a grand total of 71 matches so far. And throughout this whole time, there's only still been one submission victory. The rest have come by either battle Royale victory or by pinfall. So hmm. I'm, I'm kind of anticipating who's going to be the the next person to win by submission. So looking at the the women's roster, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. So Yeah, I don't think we hit that era where everybody has a submission move finisher just yet. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see when uh when someone ties Jericho for the the first submission or a submission victory on on NXT. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, with the the rookie scoring, I'll I'll just kind of list out the 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 top rookie record of the season and the top pro rookie, or I should say the top pro. So Michael McGillicuddy ends up having 11 matches throughout the season with six victories and five losses. And Titus has the worst record from the rookies at three matches in total and has lost all of those matches. So he is 0-3. The Miz actually... Is uh, This is actually combining his score from season one. So The Miz now has had a total of eight matches, and he's even at four wins and four losses. 
And Zack Ryder has the worst season of this season with four matches in total and one victory with three losses. Mm. Yeah, not too many uh, overall fun facts. The only fun fact is, yeah, that our boy uh, Caval is the winner of season two and the second winner overall in Mm -hmm. NXT competitions. I think we'll kind of just do a a really quick mini recap of season two before we kind of do a a preview of season three and kind of the same stuff that we mentioned at the top of this episode where, yeah, I, I remember bits and pieces of the whole season, but kind of just going through all these episodes, I, really really enjoyed season two overall you know i did too like i like the uh the level of the competition mm-hmm. uh the guys that made it to the finals i felt like were the ones who deserved to go yeah um there was no questions there the commentary team was doing a good job at like not really burying anybody mm-hmm. um the guys who were green in the ring i felt like we're we're uh weren't exposed as much oh, okay they were uh they seemed like they were put in situations that allowed them to still look good i feel like david otunga was uh exploited Mm -hmm. a bunch in the previous season but overall man it was good stuff yeah no overall exactly what you said where i think they kind of polished up everything that they were attempting in season one so they kind of capitalized and yeah overall where you kind of saw the natural chemistry between all the the pros and rookies where you can tell they they were getting a lot getting along a lot more than the the pairings from season one so i I really like that overall oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) and yeah with the the last uh the last thing is we have the recap for or i should say the preview for season three so we kind of mentioned the the pairings here so it's kind of interesting where there's actually only six pairings this uh upcoming season Hmm. since uh traditionally we had usually eight yeah so, yeah, I don't know if that means if the season's going to be a lot shorter or if they're just going to make more out of it with the uh, the six pairings that they No, with WWE, since they're women, they might try to exploit them a little bit. Yeah, I said it. It <laughs> keeps the season the same length of episodes, but don't really get to the meat of it until later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I think you're right, because in this season, they also they, they chomped it down from season one was 15 episodes. This season was 12. And at the same time, uh, what was I going to say? They also had episodes where they had double eliminations. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to guess that they're either going to do the same thing and have at least 12 episodes, if not more, where they they just kind of do one elimination per episode and kind of stretch it out that way. I can see that being a possibility possible. Possible. <laughs> but yeah, I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of excited for season three just because it is going to be... Uh, very different from the other ones and i kind of also remember some highlights going into season three but of course i won't spoil them but i know this is the season where there's also i i think we can we can kind of recap it two ways where there's an episode where they leaked a production episode where kevin dunn actually does the whole episode where you hear him in the production truck and he is calling all the spots for the entire episode. And, and they left it on the network? No, no, they didn't leave it on the network, but it's just something that leaked out and it's uh it's made its rounds through the internet. Mm. So that's the only episode that I know of that you can hear Kevin Dunn give a full production call throughout the whole episode. So it's kind of intriguing where you see how the production actually calls mm. an episode of of you know WWE television in general. So I'll try to look it up and yeah, we can kind of review, kind of do maybe a a, a, a split review where we. Well, re- that's an episode on itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I I really I remember watching that one in particular when it came out and really enjoyed it because yeah, you just really get the insights of really the the backstage backstage oh, of it. Meat and potatoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that one definitely will. Uh, will give you a true appreciation of what happens in, in production at that point. <laughs> nice. I'm with that. Yeah. Cool. So that will do it for this episode and for this season as Man. well. I Like I mentioned, we uh, I can't believe that we're already done with this one and we're going to get ready for the next season. So as I mentioned, we are going to take a slight hiatus slash break. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, but don't worry, we'll always, of course, put out some... Uh, 
some bonus content out there in in the meantime where we might review an an episode or previous takeover just to kind of uh you know just throw some stuff out there in anticipation of season three but in the meantime yeah i I will say that our shout out will definitely go to everyone who's supported us with this past season where it's been uh amazing the reception that we've been getting with the uh the podcast so far you know yeah man it's crazy we're just gonna take a brief hiatus they can never degrade us <laughs> you know we set the game straight so nobody could ever play us Ooh, nice yeah. and unfortunately we have to say goodbye to Larry Diax and uh, Nando O'Neill but they will uh, you know you never know they, they might come back one yeah, you day know, uh, you know next season we got uh, we got Larry Knight's cousin on there so uh-huh. maybe, yeah. maybe Larry Knight might come back yeah. in an episode we don't know Yeah, yeah. but you know uh, the Axeman and uh, Nando Neil, they're out of here. <laughs> we'll see when they, they make their triumphant return, so to speak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, I, I don't know if you had any uh, additional plugs this week, but... Oh, I know. <laughs> but, yeah, in, in the meantime, if uh, for whatever reason you are now finding us out, uh, thanks for listening in, but we do have a, a backlog of Season 2 and Season 1 if you want to listen while we're on our break and yeah if you want to recommend us to any of your wrestling buddies especially now that there's so much wrestling and there's so much more nxt nowadays if you want to you kind of want to explore the origins of nxt we are your hookup we are big papa pumping your your life with nxt that will do it for me nando o'neill and your boy larry the axe and we will see you next time mark bark <laughs>